1: Same ground, different sound. You're on Homo
2: Ground.
3: The city,
4: Apocalypse,
3: the city, Apocalypse, the city, Apocalypse, the city, and not my town.
5: Hello, world. This is Maya McDonald, coming to you from Brooklyn, New York, in late December 2021 for Home I hope all is well enough as can be. Here we are. We're opening the door on a four-part special episode featuring a conversation from earlier this year. Way back in the springtime, I hopped on a video call with Wynne Greenwood of Tracy and the Plastics, along with writer and director Gina Young of Team Gina, Divorce Party LA, and Sorority Theater to chat about their pasts and present. Cruisin' Records, Archives, Growing Up, and much more. Very excitingly, last June, Cruisin' Records reissued Win's Tracy and the Plastics catalog, which was amazing news to longtime fans and new folks. In other exciting news, Wynn just wrapped up a successful Kickstarter to fund the next new record. Gina Young is currently cooking up lots of theatrical events in Los Angeles that I've been gazing at from afar. Find out the latest on Instagram at Gina Genius and at Wynn Greenwood. Please, of course, check out the latest from Cruisin' Records as well. That's the queer label run by Theo Grizzle, Clyde Peterson, and Darby Cox. Many thanks to the whole team. These are some bright lights in a hard world. Without any further ado, let's get into it. Three... Two. One. When as a video artist, yeah, you must know a lot about sinks, you know, from your former uh life with Tracy and the plastics.
3: Kinda sorta not yeah. More more so because of now what I'm yeah. Tracy, no, Tracy did not sync. Tracy
5: was like, no. I'm actually super curious about what um video editing technology was in play during that era.
3: Yeah, I did editing back then at home, largely at home um, on VCRs. And then also at Thurston County Television, I think is what it's called, TCTV, which was the local cable access station, which I worked at also partly, um, very part-time. And then I was a real VHS holdout. Like I just was, that was my, that was my, I, yes, that was my technology. Um, and then I switched over to digital to using Final Cut Pro in, uh, what was it like 2002 or 2003? Um, after I went to grad school and yeah. Um, so, so that was when more, I was like, Oh, syncing, syncing can happen and sound and image can be, you know, have this more deliberate relationship that i couldn't really get with vhs you know with like all the slippage and all that stuff which which i mean was part of the um that the aesthetic and the ethic of tracy and the plastics was you know partly created through that um imprecision
5: what was your life like back then Gina?
6: I mean, it's just funny it made me think of that because I I remember, like, owning blank cassettes for the first time as a kid and being so excited when I realized that I could wait for the radio station to play a song that I really wanted to hear and then record it onto the blank cassette. And that that meant that when I had a favorite song, I could, like, wait for the radio station to play it a bunch of times, record it onto the cassette a bunch of times, and then I wouldn't have to wait for the radio station anymore because I would just have the song I wanted, like, so many times on the cassette. Um, Yeah, I don't know. And then, like, later, my first band put out two albums on cassette, and you had to go to a place where a guy would dub them onto other cassettes. And then we, like, went to the copy shop to make the cover art on paper and, like, photocopied it and then, like, cut it and made it into J-cards to put into the cassette tapes, like, packaging by hand. You know, like... I don't know. I think a lot about tape. Like, tape was involved a lot back then.
5: I feel like it's easy to, um, like, think back now and romanticize stuff, but I'm fully on board because I'm a little bit um, overwhelmed by the choices that digital formats uh, grant you. Um, It's harder for me to finish anything. And they're,
6: like, more accessible, but also a lot less accessible, it feels like. I don't know. Like, now everyone has... Anyone who has a smartphone, which is rapidly becoming more and more people, if you have a smartphone, all of a sudden you have a recording studio and a video studio and all these things like right at your fingertips. But at the same time, like, not everyone has that. Or like, even if you do have that, it doesn't mean you necessarily know how to disseminate that other than TikTok, you know? Have either of you dipped a toe into TikTok world? Uh, Dipped a toe, meaning like I made a TikTok, realized I'm too old for TikTok. I have a half sister who was like briefly TikTok famous and now has moved on from TikTok and is like not on TikTok anymore in a very serious way so like for whatever that means I don't know.
3: I feel like it's a whole like landscape map that I just don't I I like I haven't dipped a toe in really although I'm I've been told like I I should, I need to just to be a part of this this like year. <laughs> I just, I love this, like, trying to conceptualize the, f- like, the physical space of these worlds and these platforms is, like... And I think this gets me back to thinking about tape and, like, where are our bodies, you know, in this, like... Because tape felt so... Or just differently, like, connected to a physical experience, like an embodied experience, you know, of, like... And also the weighting of, like fast-forwarding, rewinding, like, that kind of having to, like, be with our bodies in that. And, um, yeah, I don't know, but I think these, like, total, like, the portals, the portalness of, like, TikTok and all the, like, all of these options and just being able to jump from one thing to the next to the next to the next is, like, is super exciting and also just, like, whoa, what do we want to do with that? Where do we want to go? So I
6: think hashtags, like I feel like hashtags are kind of the most interesting and exciting aspect of it to me, because when you talk about like locating ourselves and like the the actual physical landscape of the digital, I feel like hashtags for me were the thing where I was like, oh, finally, it's like you can search by a topic almost like you click on a hashtag and it will take you all to like, you know, whatever that thing is. I mean eyebrow-shave lesbians or cottagecore or,
3: you know, whatever it is. (laughs) It's like a map.
5: I think it's interesting that um, there's, like, an entire generation of people who are developing this degree of video editing skills at such a young age when, again, as someone who, like, did a lot of work with VHS, I'm sure that stuff took a long time.
3: Yeah, and again, it was never, like, it could not, I mean... I'm thinking about when I first started using green screen and it was just like, it just couldn't be perfect. You know, it just couldn't look, it couldn't look realistic. Like it was so, there was something so beautiful and like, um, like something so differently possible with that. Like that it was like, this cannot look, I cannot be deceived by this, you know, in a way or something. And so... My, like, you just kind of meant, I'm trying to not get in the nostalgia trap and be like, that was so much, you know, things were so, whatever. I I don't believe that. I don't think that. Um, And clearly, like, things were not better then. Um, But video. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm really curious about what this is how this is shifting like what we think is possible you know and Mm -hmm. and, like for for young people who are able to like make these like other worlds or other um you know like kind of yeah in this very easy easy easy-ish easier more accessible way that's so cool what is that gonna what what are they gonna be able to think about you know that like is different for us
6: One thing that it makes me think of, which could be a positive or a negative for young queer people is that like, for me, when I was young and I sort of like discovered the queer underground, like there were zines, there were bands, there there was all this stuff that I didn't know existed. And then it was like, as soon as you tapped into it, all of a sudden there was so much and you could keep finding more and more and more. And it was so amazing and so inspiring. And it like made me want to make music and make more things and travel and do all this stuff. Um... Whereas I wonder if now, because it's all visual and it's like you see Instagram feeds and TikToks and all this stuff, if it makes people feel more FOMO, like do young queers feel inspired or do they feel FOMO and body shame and stuff like that? Like, is it more of a like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I'm curious if it's less of a like, oh, my gosh, wow, I found this amazing community that I can kind of join And maybe more of a, like, oh, I found this community that, like, is out there online that I have to, like, keep up with or compete with, you know?
5: I mean, I remember desperately, like, using the early internet to, like, search for Queercore stuff and, like, finding, like, The Need or whoever and being like, holy shit, there's a whole thing going on. Um, And it felt really special. And it was sort of secret.
3: (laughs) I feel like The Need was one of the first bands that I, like, knew had a website. You know, I don't know if either of you remember their, like, this early website was just like, what the what? Like, yeah, it was, it was wild.
6: <laughs> well, this sort of segues back to one of the main things I had wanted to ask you when, which was like, okay, so this era was so the era of, like, punk bands. And, you know, every band was, like, guitar, bass, and drums, and or, like, two guitars and bass and drums, and, like, coming off of grunge, and Riot girl was happening in queer core and stuff. So, like, What made you want to do this totally different thing? You know, tracing the plastics was electronic and visual. There was this strong like video component. Um, What brought you to do something very different than the bass, drums, and guitar thing?
3: Yeah, I mean, it was a progression. Um, I started out playing bass, drums, and guitar, you know, like uh, that was, and keyboard. Um, But yeah, I, as a young, as a, child, I played piano or was forced into piano lessons. (laughs) When I was in high school, I had started playing music, playing guitar, playing drums, having a garage band um, with two good friends, Sally and Sarah, and was making videos. Then when I went to college, I started and taking film classes and video classes. I had started learning about you know, the early um, silent movies and how soundtracks were played live with the while the movies were being um, shown. And I got really interested in that and was like, I want to do that. I want to make a soundtrack and I want to make a video and I want to play the soundtrack live. And so had a band with Sally called Mimi America. Um, and... I would make a video silent video, short like ten minute video, and we would play the soundtrack and for that project, we got a drum machine um Sally played guitar, I played keyboards and guitar. We would kind of switch around but um but we got a drum machine um and that kind of started it. That was um, that was this there was this like. You know, other band member who was not physically present. This drummer, this drum machine, which um, I think all of those things just started to like do their work. You know, in the in the ether, like around me, like okay, there's a there's a some kind of electronic presence of a person. Um, I'm making videos, etc., playing the keyboard. So it it just all kind of. Gelled after um, Sally and I quit that band, and yeah, that was kind of. I mean, there's more of the origin story of all the characters and stuff, but um, of tracing the plastics. But that was how electronic music got into my like hands. Was was really in collaboration with someone else. And, and also, I mean, it was really weird. We got our drum machine, I think it was 1997. Um, and it was just like, you know, intimidating to mm-hmm. be like, go to Guitar Center um, and not be looking for a guitar and, you know, getting this drum machine and then having to figure out how to use it was just like incredible. It was incredible. And to do that with someone else, like I could not have done that by myself.
7: Yo, this is your boy Carl X, coming at you hot with another fire lo-fi track. Even though the music has always flowed so naturally to me, for years I've struggled with staying motivated and frankly, self-management has been really difficult for me to learn. I always hear from successful content creators that the most important element of our work is to stay consistent. And geez, that's like my biggest struggle. I spent loads of energy reading self-help books and trying to learn self-management techniques. And even though I knew I just had to sit down and do it, it was so freaking hard. I found myself agonizing over my inability to focus and it would make me procrastinate over and over again. Quarantine has been really difficult to adjust to for those with short attention spans, yo. Luckily, I found Focus Time. Focus Time is a co-working space hosted by queers and for queers. I don't know if it's cause it's gay or cause it actually made me productive, but I cannot get enough of these sessions. From my first session, I knew that something had clicked in my work routine. Day one of focus time, I wrote and dropped this beat. Day two of focus time, I started editing my first YouTube vlog, and by my third session, I was immediately focused and ready to work the moment I sat down at my desk. I'm overwhelmed by the success I've seen. From just one week of using this platform so the moderators are going to have to get used to my gay ass there are two hour sessions every weekday the two hours are broken down into one hour sprints and a 15 minute break time it's so uplifting i've met ambitious queers from all over the united states in this break room if you want to join the next session you can navigate to homoground.com focus time there you'll be able to donate and sign up for your first session Thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Homo Ground episode.
1: Hey, Homo Ground listeners, this is Suzy of Suzy Q Bookkeeping, speaking to business owners and creatives who could use some help with bookkeeping and taxes. My company, Suzy Q Bookkeeping, is a small, queer woman-owned, independent bookkeeping firm. I love helping new business owners get started with strong accounting practices. It is deeply rewarding to support people who have decided to risk it all and go out on their own. Having SuzyQ bookkeeping on your team means being in control of your accounting like the boss you are. We are trusted advisors who help our clients grow. Go to susieqb.com. That's S-U-S-I-E-Q-B.com to learn more about us.
4: So-called straight girl I know you see me Over your boyfriend's shoulder I see you watching me I think you want me I think you want me You know you want me So why do you talk shit about me? So-called straight girl You look unhappy I've heard the rumors You've got my sympathy Is this a liarless? Is this a sin that we are committing? Do you wish I was a boy? Tell me a story, tell me a story My mother She killed me called sisters they told talk-
6: It's so amazing that YouTube exists now because technology, I mean, technology being the province of men was such a thing. And like guitar center being the province of men. I was so excited when I moved to LA eventually, and they actually had women working at guitar center because that had never been my experience when I was younger, like going to, going to any kind of music store and trying to buy stuff. It was always just people assuming you didn't even know what you were shopping for or, you know, treating you kind of condescendingly. Um, And then also, like, to realize that I felt so intimidated by so much technology for a long time. But now when I watch a YouTube video, I'm like, oh, this is easy. Like, a lot of it is, like, not that hard. And, like, sometimes it just requires watching a video or demystifying the manual. You know, it's, like, not as bad as maybe we thought it was.
3: I also think about, that's making me think about, even still when I go into Guitar Center, I'm like, oh, no, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I am not a, you know, I'm not a trained anything. I just think um, beyond, and and it likely emerges from, you know, gender roles and patriarchy. um, And I think there's something also beyond that, like, moves beyond that, where it's like, how are we... (sighs) I don't know how is access like made exclusive based on like what your train what your training is or like how proficient you are or like how you know how well you can do something instead of just like I have an idea and a desire and um yeah. you know and it yeah 100% and
6: also like this is going to sound dumb but like cool factor because there are some stores that you walk into where like the customer service at the store is like, hi, how can I help you today? You know, whereas if you walk into a shop like that, someone's going to be like, so if you need anything, you know, like there's sort of this like attitude of like, I don't know, like you have to fight for what you want to know and you have to really advocate for what you want to know, you know, whereas it's not like overly attentive. What can we bring to you? You know,
5: I feel like most um, or many queer people myself included in this world um, feel like they have to master literally everything before it's released to the world or like, I mean, it's, it's like clipping your own wings before you could even like, like anticipating the critique that might come your way if like something feels too, uh, like lo fi or whatever. And so then you have to be like, this is a very intentional lo fi choice, or I'm a master of my craft. Um, and this stuff. And I, I just hate that there's this con, I mean, maybe this is like a personal thing, but just a constant loop of like, um, imagining all of the, <laughs> all of the things that someone might assume, um, it's very limiting.
6: I work on that a lot because I don't have a college degree in anything. Like I don't have a degree in anything. I've been practicing theater for 20 years and there's still part of me that's like, oh, I don't get taken seriously because I don't have a degree or like I'm not going to be eligible for certain opportunities because I don't have an MFA in playwriting or what have you, you know? And I'm just like, no, have to fight that because when you've been doing something for so long, like it's, I mean, some would say that the practice of it matters more than the the degree, you know?
3: Yeah. And how is that also tied to capitalism?
6: Oh, yeah. And classism, you know, yeah. like who can who can afford to get a degree? And people still try to say things like, oh, but MFA programs, you know, you, you get paid to go to them or like they're, they're not expensive and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, they still require a certain amount of access. Like you have to literally be able to get into one to go to it, to have another source of income. I mean, all of the things. And we all know how adjuncts are paid. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff going on with that, with higher education right now.
5: I mean, this makes me think of, um, you know, artistic identities and like the things we claim for ourselves or the years you wait for someone else to anoint you uh, and the sort of Way that your relationship to your creative self shifts over the years, and the descriptors we put in our bios online that then get disseminated across the internet, and all these kinds of things. Um, I don't know where are you both at currently, and like, what's your what's your elevator pitch for yourself right now? <laughs> like, what uh, who are you? You know what I mean? Like, you constantly get a chance to maybe a chance to define it. I mean, it's nice to be in a
6: space where I feel like I don't have to do that necessarily. Like with homo ground, I feel like I wouldn't have to do it the same way that I would in other places in my life right now, you know, where yeah. I'm like, Oh, I have that elevator pitch ready. Cause I live in Los Angeles and it's, everyone like else wants it. yeah, it's like a thing. Yeah. It's like a thing, you
5: know, the initial thing that brought us together was both of you revisiting your earlier selves in some way. Um, so maybe what, what conversations have you been having, uh, What dialogue is happening internally as you look back?
6: Okay, I have a thing right off the bat. So I primarily identify as a playwright and director now. Um, And I identified as a musician for a long time. And people are like, but you're still a musician. You write musicals. Like What I mostly do is I write experimental musicals, mostly queer, um, feminist kind of musicals. And I guess the thing that's interesting about that is that that came out of like kind of a musical um i don't want to say identity crisis cuz that's wrong but it's like if you look back at my music like okay Wynn and i are both looking back at like maybe 20 years of this music that we've made um i had a whole phase where i wrote this very Ani DeFranco ins- inspired folk music you can hear it you can hear it in the music um i had a phase where i very clearly wanted to be a punk band and i was trying so hard to like be a punk band all by myself with these like amazing friends of mine that i found to like play. Um, and then I even had a phase where I was in this like experimental pop, hip hop type project. And we did this whole thing, team Gina. Um, and so it was this weird thing of realizing like, okay, like what is my voice? I don't think I know what my voice is. Oh, it's that I actually don't have a voice. It's that I want to write for characters. It's that I want to be writing many voices in one piece together. And I was always doing that. I was always writing plays and theater and that kind of thing. And just eventually realized like being a singer songwriter or a musician of that type means being yourself and like putting yourself on stage and being you and like people connecting with you as like a Taylor Swift. And I was just not something about that was deeply scary to me and really uncomfortable. And like, I never liked it. And I always wanted to be writing songs for other people to be singing and songs where there was like a dialogue between two people happening. Um, And so I think that's why I ended up really way more in the in the theater world. And I think that's kind of a cool parallel with Wynn too, because your work had different characters and you played different roles. I mean, even Tracy is an alter ego. And then you had different fan members, I'm putting air quotes here that people can't see, um, (laughs) that we're like in dialogue with each other. So
3: yeah, I don't know if that sparks anything for you when that totally does. And I'm, what I'm thinking about too, is this history Gina that I know of you, which is how you started singing, or I think I know of you of how you started singing, um, for church is that right? One hundred percent. Deeply
6: Catholic yeah. family. Like my my dad writes music for liturgies and stuff. Yeah.
3: So I don't know. That's just so interesting. I think I'm like, what is our art, our music, our voice like in service of, or something, or how are we like, where are we in the in that like relationship of, um, or kind of like equation of what's being created. And then it's, and then, who, and how it's being performed or something like, you know, and I don't, yeah, that's, and how that can be shifting, which I think kind of, kind of circling back to Mayo, you were asking about like how we articulate that or maybe, or like what's, yeah, yeah that's, um, and then what are the structures that like kind of want to like concretize and cement and like make these things rigid when they're like so not rigid? Um but I love that Gina how you're like almost I mean not a conduit but like you know you're yeah I don't know I'm that's cool <laughs> I'm like thinking about that. <laughs> cuz when I listen to your music I'm like you definitely have a voice like your voice is yeah your voice and it's being like used in these different ways or expressing different things but like yeah Gina, hearing you talk about
5: that journey, it was really inspiring because I feel like there are so many opportunities to, like, hop off of your track and just, like, get something that gives you money uh, that is not going to help you find your voice. And I know it's sort of, um, there are sacrifices, but it's also, like, sort of luxurious to be able to stay so true to yourself and see it through, kind of. Um, So it's just, it's nice to hear you talk about that revelation. Thanks for
2: listening to an episode of Homoground. This episode opened with the song City by Tracy and the Plastics. The second song that you heard right after the break was Gina Young's so-called Straight Girl. You can find links to purchase their music at homoground.com episode 269. If you like what you heard, please feel free to leave us a review on whatever podcast streaming app you're using, or share this episode with a friend and tag us on social media at Ground. We're an independent podcast, so it really helps when people spread the word about us on social media and do things like leave reviews so that we're more discoverable, so more people can experience the magical music that you discover from this podcast. As an independent podcast, we also rely on our Patreon supporters. You can join us at homoground.com Patreon. Not only do you become a member of our Patreon, but you become a member of the Homoground community. Homoground members get all the latest updates on episodes before they're released and a behind-the-scenes look at how the podcast is made. You also get access to our private Slack and Discord groups, where you can meet other Homoground listeners from around the world. Homoground members also get access to our 24-hour virtual cafe where you can pop in anytime. Not only that, but you get free access to our guided virtual co-working sessions. When you become a Homoground member, you'll get an official Homoground membership card, plus our special green and white Homoground logo stickers that only our Patreon supporters get. Plus, we'll just send you a bunch of other stickers that we have we have got a bunch of random designs and you can stick them wherever you want just be sure to tag us on social media at homoground this episode was produced by maya mcdonald who also conducted the interview you can follow maya on instagram at kid in the attic and i'm just a ghost who reads the credits but you can follow me on instagram at lynn casper But more importantly, follow homo ground.